Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, today we're visiting with uh, Betsy Mack and talking about her book, Midreach, a book to inspire, empower, and celebrate failing while in the midst of success. It's about being in the messy middle of one's career, as Betsy Mack says she currently is. Betsy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so you, um, you've had a number of CEOs who talk about this book, and they've given you some accolades, like it helps early career professionals figure out who they want to be on the job and inspires others to make a difference in the world. It is filled with nuggets of wisdom. It has a wonderfully unique perspective about career journeys. First of all, congratulations on the positive feedback. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. 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 How does it feel to have other professionals talk about your work like that? I mean, it's very <laughs> humbling. You know, you write something and then you put it out there and you're not quite sure what people are going to say or how they're going to react. So, um, you know, hearing that from not only people that I look up to, but my peers has been, um, has been pretty rewarding. Yeah, that's great. So we're going to talk about you first before we get into the book. You are executive director of the Charlotte Hornets Foundation. What does that mean and what do you do exactly? Yes. So working with the foundation and for the Hornets organization, really anything that the team, the organization, our players, our executives that we do out in the community, it all falls under um, myself and then my department as a whole. So a team of uh, six and, you know, we have a lot of responsibility because we are the sports team, the NBA team for this whole market of the Carolinas and, you know, into some other states as well. So getting the team involved, the charitable contributions, the philanthropic arm of the organization really focused on giving back and making sure that we're involved in uh, situations and issues that can really help to move the difference and make a difference for our fan community. Yeah, that's great. So previously, you're involved in uh, leading an IT company's national expansion. You worked with a, a very large nonprofit and had to raise uh, millions and millions of dollars. Those three jobs seem a little bit 
different to me? Are they are there some common <laughs> are there some com- commonalities there? I know. I like to laugh because my background is very diverse, and even though the industries are very different from nonprofit to IT to now sports, uh, the jobs and the professions and some of the skill sets all really align. So a lot of similar similarities there. Um, you know, being involved in the community, connecting with different individuals and organizations, um, looking at helping the organization to align the mission with different groups of people and then helping to bring people together. So, you know, very separate on paper, but when you really get down to the nitty gritty, you can see a lot of similarities, especially in the roles that I held. All right. So you said you're originally from the Quad Cities. and uh, I Are read you familiar your- with it? I've heard of it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, but- <laughs> not a lot of people have heard of it, so I yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. So in your book, you talk about you moved to Charlotte. You talk about coming to a place that you'd never been before. And mm-hmm. we are now talking through this uh, sort of remote podcast because we're actually talking on the first day in March here when Mecklenburg County has shut down a much different Charlotte than you came two years ago. But you had a choice to make. You had to pick a city. Mm-hmm. Why'd, you pick, why'd you pick Charlotte? So a lot of different reasons. Um, I had about eight options to look at. And when I looked at some of those options, all of them were very attractive. Charlotte actually wasn't even on my radar. I um, didn't even quite know anything about it or where it was in the state, to be honest. But when I started kind of getting analytical and drilling down, Charlotte had so much to offer in terms of close to the airport. So you could take day trips or business trips. Um, You know, they had the strong financial industry backbone to the city. So other businesses could move in and they had that strong um, financial district to help support those other businesses. Um, Looking at the fact that it's on the East Coast and so readily and easily available to other large markets and large cities. Um, You know, Denver was another city I was looking at. They don't have that same, um, you know, ability to have people fly in, fly out. The airport's about 45 minutes away on a good day. And also there's really no other cities that are that close that they could quickly do business with. Um, And then looking at the young professional scene, it seems like there was a lot of opportunity and growth within that demographic. Um, Also, Charlotte's a new city. So looking at St. Louis, where I was previously, um, it was kind of on a different trajectory. And when you would see cranes and construction in St. Louis, it was because the building was coming down. We're coming to Charlotte. And when I first came here to just kind of tour it around and um, check it off the list that I looked at it, there was cranes and it was buildings going up and there was the ability to expand and continue to grow. And I felt like if I moved here, I would be able to have more of um a presence in helping to grow the city and helping to kind of put my own footprint there. Uh, So with all of those opportunities together, Charlotte just seems like the perfect next step. All right. So we've talked about your career, all the different jobs you've held. You've come to Charlotte and now you've got a book. So let's talk about your book a second. All right. You've got a, before we get under the covers with your book, let's talk about your book cover. You've got this, uh, you got the title. It's mid reach. Betsy. You've got uh, this lone right hand, I think, <laughs> extending up, upward here. Uh, it's got some bling on the on the wrist there. So, tell me about this uh, this cover here. What are we pointing at? Yeah, so <laughs> this was a vision that I had, and I, you know, as soon as I 
thought of the title mid-reach, I just saw my hand. Um, and I actually think I have a very ugly hand, but they like made it look really pretty and like feminine here. So I love it. But so this is not, a, this is not like a fake hand. This is you know, your hand, right? This, this is my hand. This is my okay. hand. Right, so, okay. um, so I always am known for the fact that I wear a lot of bracelets and jewelry and, um, that's just kind of me. So I love that that added in a component of myself without putting my face or, you know, me individually on the cover. Cause I wanted everyone to be able to almost see themselves in it and see that I'm still reaching, that I'm still, um, you know, kind of reaching towards what I want to end up with. And so I wanted that to be conveyed through my title um, and through the cover. And I feel like Warren Publishing did a great job of really capturing that image. Um, and so, yeah, yeah that's yeah, kind of yeah. where it came from. And the soft colors on the front, is that a favorite color of yours? It's kind of a peachy color there. Yeah. yeah. So I actually wanted it to be white. So I'm very um, minimal with different decor or, you know, I have my, my jewelry, but then other than that, I'm like, let's keep colors out of it. Like I'm a very, um, neutral colored dresser decorator. Um, so I wanted the cover to be white. Um, that wasn't able to happen. So we kind of went with this soft color and it that, still feels very minimalism. So I love it. <laughs> that's why you work with a good publisher, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So you ready to get under the covers? I sure am. We'll be right back, but first, I want to thank our episode sponsor today, Warren Publishing, a premier hybrid publisher since 1988 right here in the Charlotte community. Authors benefit from Warren's relationships with global distributors, wholesalers, and retailers, as well as their history of publishing award-winning and best-selling books. You can find out more at warrenpublishing.net. Warren Publishing, books done wisely. If you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you leave a review, it helps authors reach more listeners. You can keep up with news about the show and member-only content for our member supporters by joining our email list. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me. Charlotte Reader's Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. You wrote a book in the middle of your career. Why? So I read a lot. And every book that I've read, it's always at the top down. And I couldn't really relate. And every time I was reading, I would always stop myself and just keep wondering like, what were they doing at this phase in their career? And so often it's hard to kind of take someone's end story and relate it to your middle story. Um, I, I talk a lot about that in the prologue where it's just really a difficult time being in the middle and the middle is such a long period. It's not just, you know, a short phase that you know, you kind of move out of, but that's the majority of where your career stems from. Um, and I, I tell people it could be, you know, two days into your career, it could be five days before retiring. That whole part of the middle is when you still know that you have more to give and more to do, and you're not quite finished yet, but you're in this space that people don't talk about. And it's not as glamorous because you don't know 
what's going to happen next. You don't know where those next steps are going to lead to. You're just kind of pursuing on, hoping that you're doing the right thing. And like yeah, I, I think, said, not a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I think that's part of what I'm seeing in the theme of the book. It's not like you're, you do dispense some advice from your experience, but it's not as if you've got all the answers, right? You're trying to find out the answers as you go. So who did you write this book for primarily? What age demographic? What Was it more for women, more for men? What was it exactly? So I wanted to say it's gender neutral, and I tried to keep some of the words and phrases in here gender neutral, but let's be honest. I mean, you know, with my hand and with the pink peach background, I feel like it leans a little bit more towards women. Um, but it also yeah. leans toward women in another way too, because you actually focus – in your book on what it means to be a woman in business, right? And what you have to struggle with sometimes. You've got a chapter in here where you deal with, quote, us pretty girls. And you actually yes. talk, you also yeah. talk, you also talk about being sort of the victim of uh, harassment from a, you know, from a client and having to go back. So you are speaking to those issues as well, far as women. Well, yes and no, because I feel like just as much as that is an issue that women face. And when I put that in there, I have had some women that are like, I've dealt with something similar. Oh my gosh, I thought it was just me. Like I never shared this. I've also had some men that have approached me as well. And they were like, wow, like I didn't realize like when I say this, it could be interpreted this way. Or, you know, when I'm approaching someone in this way, it could be seen as a different, um, you know, message. So Hmm. I think that it's giving my perspective, but I think that it's both parties that need to learn that and be aware of that just as much as I'm sharing my message as a female, I would love to hear how, you know, males interpret it or how males go through different situations as well. Yeah. The interesting thing about that story is, was that you talked about how when you reported this to your boss at the time, your boss assumed you had done something wrong. What'd you get out of that? What would you take away from that? Yeah. You know, overall that was just so disappointing and just, really caught me off guard. I really didn't know what to think. And then it really made me mad and angry that, you know, we're supposed to be as women on this team together. And, you know, I'm going to meetings and putting myself in situations where I'm trying to represent the business. I want to be taken seriously as such. And then when the situation happened, I felt that I conducted myself in the best way, getting out of the situation, closing that door, um, bringing it to my boss. And the fact that there was no support, that wasn't something I asked for or wanted to put myself in. I was just doing the job that I was told and hired to do. I felt like it was really um, disappointing. Yeah, you talk about, you know, your struggles and you actually are honest about the fact that you have failed. I assume you failed before, right? Yes, yeah, a million <laughs> times. <laughs> and, and, and and you actually start your opening chapter saying I am average. Now, yeah. why do you start why do you start with that? Oh, I think it's so important because I think so many times especially in this time in society, everyone holds themselves to the such a different light. And, you know, with Instagram, with social media, everyone's able to put their best foot forward and no one shares their struggles or no one shares some of the, um, you know, things they kind of want to hide and they're able to hide on social media. Um, and I go and speak to a lot of colleges. And the first thing I say is when I, um, well, I, I talk about myself and what I do in my job so that, you know, I kind of let them know who I am and why I'm there. But then I kind of take a step back and I'm, I'm going through that phase and I let them know that 
I was not at the top of my class. In fact, I was in the middle, if not lower end. Like I did everything to kind of stay in that kind of bubble. But it's when you find your passion, it's when you find the ability that, you know, you're not average in some areas, even though you are in others, that's okay. And that I did fail, that I did send out 98 applications to jobs and got, you know, rejected by, you know, all of them until the very last one. I think it's important to share those messages because no one does. And it's very easy to get in a spiral of, everyone else has all these great things going on. Everyone else is living this amazing life and I'm sitting here and I'm not. And if we're all having those conversations with ourselves, but not with each other, it really doesn't benefit really anyone or society. Yeah, that's, that's good. So why don't we do this? Let's, uh, uh, you've got a prologue to your book, which kind of, kind of sets it up. Why don't you, if you don't mind, uh, read that for us and, uh, we'll get a little flavor in your own voice as to what we're talking about here. Perfect. My name is Betsy Mack. No, you have never heard of me. I have not yet won any nationally accredited awards. Never have I held the title of CEO, nor have I been featured in Forbes magazine. I'm an average young professional in the midst of my career with an undeniably strong drive, doing all that I'm able to do in order to succeed in the business world. I read business article after article, pour myself into bestsellers, attend seminars, and circulate networking events. I have had the opportunity to meet many business and community leaders and learn from them firsthand. I have strong mentors who have helped to guide and impact my profession. I am fortunate to have a strong circle of influence, individuals who recommend other books to add to my library of business knowledge. An overwhelmingly number of these books are written at the top level looking down approach. This type of mentoring has been extremely influential thus far in my career. However, after each book sparks the same question in my mind, what should I be doing now? What are other people in the middle of their careers doing? What were these top business leaders doing when they were in the midst of their professions? And what if they had written a book before they became the Richard Bransons, Sheryl Sandbergs, Ariana Huffingtons, and Warren Buffetts we now know, idolize, envy, and admire? A book of reflection carries a different tone when compared to a book written about a situation and the heat and fury of it all. When writing from the top-down approach, you put on your rose-colored glasses and guide your readers through the path, complete with challenges that become cliffhangers, turning into climactic events, all to arrive at the well-known ending of achievement. However, how does a book read when you don't know where the journey leads, when the ending is to be continued? when the destination has not yet been reached. Thus, from these questions, the idea for my book came to fruition. I am writing for a reason, to inspire. As a mid-level young professional, I hope to inspire those who are recent graduates and new to the business world and encourage these individuals to take action and believe in themselves. I would love to inspire my peers. We are in this corporate jungle gym together and we will be the faces that shape the business horizon. I hope to inspire my mentors and current business leaders to help them to understand my generation and our motives and to encourage them to continue inspiring us. So here I am, coffee in one hand, confidence in the other. Maybe my career will fizzle out and I'll amount to nothing in the business world. Or better yet, maybe I will inspire someone who actually will. Simply put, I hope to inspire anyone who is like me, not at the start, but far from the end, working hard simply in the heart of his or her career, mid-reach. 
All right. So we're in mid-reach now, and we're looking at, uh, at what comes next. You do a lot of speaking, uh, Betsy, as I know, and uh, some of the topics you talk about, one is the, the premise of this book, Beyond Mid-Reach, you know, what comes next. But you also talk about uh, not letting inexperience uh, make one indifferent and not uh, – and. I think one of your talks is destigmatizing the millennial generation, breaking free of the young professional mold. That's kind of like age being a challenge, right? So yeah. speak, speak to that a second. Yeah. So, so actually in my book, I, I say that when, you know, what my biggest challenge was, I would always say my age because I don't believe that age is a direct ratio to experience or ability. Um, you know, I worked at United Way for four years. And I received more experience in those four years than I could have at 10 years at a different company. So I think looking at different individuals and what they're able to offer to companies, um, you know, what, what's their background, you know, what are their motivations? I think that looking at a lot of those aspects should be definitely factors when bringing them in and bringing them on board. So, and so your age, you're honest about your age. What's your age now? I am 32. 32. And you've got a book at 32, right? I do. I do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about the writing life for just a second. I like to do this in every show. You hold a bachelor of science degree in public relations with a minor in sports marketing from Illinois State University. You've now got this book. What, what Was it what you thought it would be having a book in the world at age 32? No, because I never really thought about writing a book. I yeah. I literally, after every book, like I said, I would have this thought. And then one night I would fall asleep kind of writing the prologue again and again in my head. And so wait, 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 wait. You fell asleep during your own pro- prologue? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I did not. No. <laughs> I, I would write it in my mind as okay. I was falling asleep. So yeah, maybe okay. I guess I'm like, I'm falling asleep writing it. But okay. anyways, it's not that boring. Um, no, no, no. I, no I, read, I, read, I, read, I read the book. Well, let me, do you have any writing experience uh, prior to writing this book? Or do you just say, I'm going to teach myself how to do this and uh, get some good help from a good publisher. And I think the latter. So yeah, I've never really written anything besides school papers or, you know, an article here, there, but uh, yeah, I just kind of decided I wanted to write this book and I felt that it was something um, that needed to be out there and that other individuals would benefit from. So I started writing it on my laptop at home, on my couch, in coffee shops, and then kind of shipped it off to a publisher. And Warren Publishing, thankfully, saw value in it. But, um, you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit on the editing process because my writing was a little more casual and they wanted me to change some of it to more traditional. And I was a little hesitant because I said, this book is supposed to be a conversation. And I like my tagline of it's a conversation. It's a conversation with a good friend over a glass of wine. So I well, wanted to I think y'all struck the happy medium there because I think it did come yeah. out like a conversation. The thing is, though, I have to I have to check you on this. You have done a lot of writing. You have a chapter in your book where you talk about the, I mean, just the tremendous amount of notes you write to people, handwritten notes, 250 yeah. or more a year. I, I, I'm really curious about that. You, you write over 250 handwritten notes to people a year? So I do still write 
handwritten letters. Um, gosh, ask my team. I'm always buying cards and sending out cards to them as thank yous and um, to other individuals to stay in touch. But I'm kind of doing it on a different scale now. But yes, when I was working in the national expansion, I would send out 250 letters a year. And it was a lot. You talk about time management in your book too, and you're a very busy person and writing a book takes time. So how did you manage your time to write this book? It was a passion project. So I enjoyed it. So it was something that when I got home from work or when I, you know, got home from an event, it was how I kind of relaxed and it was very almost therapeutic when I would write different things. Um, you know, now I would also rewrite and reread and kind of restructure it. So, you know, there would be some nights where I would write a whole chapter and then the next night I would completely tear it up and rewrite it, um, you know, entirely, but it was something I made time for and that I enjoy doing. Now, this is your first book is is your early in your career path. You're only 32 years old. Do you envision writing another book at some point in time? Or are you uh, gonna are you gonna write that rose colored book? Or are you gonna write a yeah? A, a, are you gonna write a three fourths book on the way or what? I don't know. I would love to say that when I'm you know I would love to see my career continue and you know continue forward and have my overall goals met of you know where I ultimately want to be in my career and then I can also be one that looks back and write that book of here was my, you know, mid reach. And now I'm, you know, here and I'm also looking back, but I hope that you've gotten some items along the way. Um, yeah, that obviously is the ultimate goal. Okay. So final question here in the writing life. So what has this book meant to you in your personal journey, uh, either in your career or just, uh, for yourself individually? I think overall, it's something I'm really proud to just have in my personal um, resume. I'm proud to say that I wrote a book. I'm proud to say that, um, you know, it's received positive positive feedback from individuals, both peers, um, individuals in college that are still working their way up, and my mentors. Um, and it's something that I, that I am proud to share with the world. So um, I hope that other individuals find value in it as well. Yeah, speaking of finding value, you get a chance to have sort of a parting thought, a parting comment to the to the to the to the other young professionals out there in this day and time. So you got a lot of advice in this book, but you got something you want to boil down just to leave us with a thought related to what we should be thinking about if we happen to be lucky enough to be 32 and not my age. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I the big thing that I just say is that it doesn't matter what box you were placed into or where you came from. Don't give up and keep pushing forwards. If, if you have a goal, keep working towards it. I was, um, you know, average. I was very fortunate to um, go to a good school and have a good education, but it was ultimately surrounding myself and putting myself in situations where I would reach out to individuals and get meetings with them or, you know, go to different networking events. And I think I talk about one where it was a long day and I didn't want to go, but it's putting in that extra effort and that extra step and keep achieving your goals and not giving up. Because I think that so many times it looks glamorous when you achieve your goals, but you don't see the struggle and the hardships along the way. And just telling people it's, it's putting in that extra effort and not giving up. 
Okay, so listeners, the book is Mid-Reach uh, with author Betsy Mack, who's in the middle of her career, she says, looking for what's next. Uh, Betsy, uh, thanks for uh, during this uh, sheltering in place, uh, which I hope is going to be long in our past when this comes out in June and, we're, and, and just something we talk about uh, as that thing we had to go through. But uh, thanks for doing this remotely with me today and uh, uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written work. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me, or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions? You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.